You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. First of all, the ASX 200 in Australia is off about half a percent. Japanese markets closed for a holiday. Looks like now the Hang Seng is going to open about 100 points lower in an hour's time. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil trading at $31.07 a barrel. Gold is slipping a little bit now this morning in Asian trading at $1,703 an ounce. And the US dollar also losing a bit of ground. It's trading at one oh six and a quarter against the Japanese yen right now. Back chats coming up after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Rachel Cartland. Please do join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for further Money Talk. And the weather forecast for today, mainly fine and hot. Maximum temperature around 32 degrees in the urban areas. A couple of degrees higher in the new territories. And the outlook is for it to get very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days. There's going to be a few showers early next week. It's 29 degrees right now. 82% relative humidity. 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. President Trump has confirmed the White House is discussing winding down its coronavirus task force in spite of the continuing high number of cases. Mr Trump made his comments during a visit to a factory in Arizona where medical grade masks are made. Mike Pence and the task force have done a great job, but we're now looking at a little bit of a different form. And that form is safety and opening and we'll, uh, we'll have a different group probably set up for that. Are you saying mission accomplished? No, no, not at all. The mission accomplishes when it's over. Earlier, the vice president, Mike Pence, suggested the task force could be brought to a close within weeks, even though the U.S. has seen over a thousand deaths related to COVID-19 every day for more than a month. The UK has now suffered more coronavirus deaths than any other European country. The daily toll took it beyond Italy, with the death rate in care homes still rising. Both countries have lost more than 29,000 people. Leading the daily briefing, the Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the pandemic was unprecedented. We've never experienced anything like this first stage of COVID-19 in terms of the scale of the lives lost, but also the lockdown that it has required. And as we go forward, we want to make sure that the next phase is more comfortable, is more sustainable uh, and prevents lasting damage to jobs and livelihoods. But we need to be under no illusions. The next stage won't be easy. A leading scientist in Britain, Professor Neil Ferguson, has resigned from his role advising the government on the coronavirus after it was reported he broke the lockdown rules that he'd argued for. Here's the BBC's Jessica Parker. In a statement tonight, he said that he accepted he had made an error of judgment and that he acted in the belief he was immune, having tested positive for coronavirus and completely isolated himself for almost two weeks. He added that he deeply regretted undermining the clear messages around social distancing. It was Professor Ferguson's work at Imperial College London about how devastating this epidemic could be that was seen as a key driver behind the government's decision to go into lockdown back in March. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Rachel Cartland. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about the Hong Kong Coalition. That's a new alliance of representatives from various sectors in Hong Kong, including two former chief executives, that aims at fostering unity and finding a way out of the current predicament. The Coalition issued a joint declaration yesterday calling for upholding one country, two systems and helping Hong Kong overcome difficulties and start again. It plans to host a series of activities, the first of which will be distributing 10 million face masks to residents across Hong Kong this weekend. But what do you expect from the coalition? Is it a reflection on the performance of the current administration and pro-establishment parties? Do you agree that unity is what's needed now? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us as ever, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call. And our telephone number is 233-88266, especially if you want to speak directly to our guests this morning. Once again, the number is 233-88266. Joining us for the first part of the programme before 9 o'clock this morning, we have Maria Tam, who's a spokesperson for the uh, Hong Kong Coalition. Holok Sang will be joining us uh, after the news at 9, as ever. If you want to contribute, uh, pick up the phone, 233-88266. Uh, a few emails just before we start. Um, uh, on uh, the issue of uh, today's topic. Uh, first of all, this is from S, uh, who says, uh, once again yesterday there were two press releases, one with Carrie Lam and her team, uh, and uh, another with CY Lung, Maria Tam, etc. Shame on them. No social distancing, especially with Maria Tam, who is also involved in drafting the basic law. With Carrie, if she can count, there were more than four people, and again, no social distancing. And for your correspondent, Toby, that's uh, S is referring to a policeman who writes to us, uh, if he's on government pension contributed by taxpayers he should stay apolitical as per the police guidelines that comes uh, from uh, s norman in an email says uh, guests who have lined up and joined cy lung and ch tung's new hong kong coalition of over a thousand prominent figures promoting hong kong unity lee ka shing lee shao ki and their sons anglican archbishop paul kwong vice chancellors of hong kong U, chinese U, baptist U, poly U, etc guess these prominent figures can no longer put up with violence, rioting, unrest, planting of bombs, attacks on shops, blocking of roads. They want to get together and do something concrete to help the needy and unite Hong Kong people. That comes uh, from Norman. And finally, Matthew says, yesterday in his self-proclaimed non-political and middle-of-the-road daily back chat teaching, uh, regular correspondent Tom attempted to make the point that Felix Chung and Joseph Lee are both functional constituency representatives and pro-democracy politicians. He then went on to use this to attack CNN and BBC for spreading fake news related to the gerrymandered functional constituency system. Unless Tom is further left than Chairman Xi, this is wrong. Felix Chung is a Liberal Party member and the Liberal Party is a centre-leading pro-Beijing party. They do, however, uh, occasionally dare to honestly represent the views of Hong Kong people to Beijing. Maybe this is what bothers Tom. Uh, and on another note, it's hard to imagine the CCP coming up with a more tone-deaf solution to Hong Kong's problems than this new Hong Kong coalition made up of the city's CCP and United Front glitterati. I guess this is the CCP's version
edition of Harbourfest. Uh, who could possibly imagine that the likes of Tung Chi Wah, C.Y. Lung and Maria Tam, who have dedicated their lives to serving the CCP and their own self-interest above those of Hong Kong people, could possibly heal Hong Kong and give us hope. They even dare to insult the basic intelligence of Hong Kong people by calling it a non-government organisation. This morning, self-serving Alan Zeman was on RTHK telling us it is a non-political organisation. We are truly living in dystopia. That is from Matthew. Once again, back chat at rthk.hk. Uh, Maria Tam, good morning to you. Good morning, Thanks you. Indeed for, for, good for morning, joining. Rachel. Good morning. Uh, tell us about the Hong Kong Coalition and in, introduce it to <laughs> pe- people who aren't familiar with it. Oh, thank you very much. Um, oh, I just heard uh, one of the emails says that perhaps we are not doing uh, social distancing. Well, actually, under Chapter 599, uh, there is a list of exemptions and uh, the uh, press or the launching uh, was actually held in our own office and it is part of our work so we're actually exempted we check very carefully before that uh, we definitely believe in social distancing so that's why we didn't go to the uh, exhibition center or any uh, hotel uh, grand ballroom whatever we're all in our own office only and there were more press than our members, and uh, you know, uh, we we keep the distance even in in uh, inside a hall. Uh, having clarified that, um, perhaps the best thing is to start by explaining why uh, this coalition is being set up, as Mr. C. H. Chung says. Hong Kong is facing the pandemic, uh, economic crisis, and political turmoil. And this must be the time for members of the community to stand up and be united together and pool our resources to alleviate some of the hardship that the community is facing. Uh, The um, coalition is not a powerhouse to tell the Hong Kong government what to do. And uh, definitely we are not setting up to show that the government's not doing well. If you compare the um, fight COVID-19 exercise in Hong Kong, I don't think we've done too badly comparing to other places. And uh, as far as we are concerned, uh, the government itself cannot do too much in terms of persuading the private sector to pull the resources together uh, because this is a free market economy place. And we all treasure that. So what happens is that uh, we ourselves, volunteers, group, group together and pull our resources. And uh, there's a five-fold five purpose for this exercise. Uh, the first one is to uphold one country and two systems and to relaunch Hong Kong. Because the one country, two systems uh, principle and practice has actually kept us at the forefront of an international city for over 20-odd years. And it remained the cornerstone of our future success. So we have to be sure that we can relaunch Hong Kong on that basis. The second one is to revive our economy to relaunch people's livelihood. I think we all know, and we've actually uh, done a survey uh, that's by the One Countries and Two Systems uh, uh, Center. And, uh, you know, uh, it says the first most concerned issue of the Hong Kong people 
is a pandemic. It's not to catch COVID-19. The second one is availability of jobs. And the third one is how to face the economic downfall that's going to follow and which we don't know when it will end. So it is very important to revive our economy and relaunch people's livelihood. The fourth purpose is to restore the rule of law to relaunch social stability. Uh, we are all equal before the law, so regardless of who you are, you have to keep the law whatever personal reasons you may have to flout it in the first place. If we have social stability, then we hope foreign investments will come back, the tourists will come back. That is the actually best answer to the economic uh, issues we have to face. We cannot rely on government dishing out money from the public coffer for years and years. And finally, uh, we have to be united to relaunch prosperity. Um, without that, without the sort of concerted effort of the community, um, prosperity is not only for this generation, but for the next. So we have to be united in achieving that purpose. So um, we are here as a group of persons from the private sector who is to prepare to share resources to alleviate some of the hardships. We don't believe we can resolve all the problems. Um, this will take time. But the thing is that we start first dealing with the COVID-19 situation. And then we'll think of jobs, especially for the young. Uh, I think this CY Leung explains some of the things we can do. And then um, hopefully uh, with the resources that we have, which has got uh, a lot of brain power, uh, a lot of experience and some resources, we can have more concrete measures to help us through this doldrum. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, we've heard the word united and unity a lot in what you've just been saying. But, um, you know, when you go to, say, your Facebook page, it does look a little bit, I'm afraid, like a sort of blue manifesto. There are a lot of denunciations there of black shirts and so on. How are you planning to reach out and draw into your net uh, the very many disenchanted young people? Mm. Uh, we have to go step by step. Uh, first, we have like-minded persons who are prepared to join the team. And then we'll work our answers. If um, it should benefit anybody who is or was in a black shirt, that's all right with us. We are doing it for the Hong Kong community. Uh, we don't believe that anybody can, uh, you know, at flicker of the eye, being able to convert anybody from one very strong belief to the other. But if we can work on a majority and we have results, then hopefully um, they will turn around and think, isn't it better that we have stable environment for us to pursue our studies, our trainings? And in this world full of competition, uh, and especially coming from a Great Bay area, 
how are we going to equip ourselves to get a career and spend the rest of the life uh, in a place and in a family that you enjoy? But if they think long term, then I think the message will sink in. But it will be a very uphill job for your organization, won't it? I mean, we're still seeing um, opinion polls that show that 70% of people um, are disappointed in the government. Uh, we still have these very clear memories of young people who felt so let down and feel that actually one country, two systems has not been properly implemented. Uh, isn't it still really that you, you're, you're, you are a faction rather than a representing the major majority. Surely the Hong Kong coalition is still a minority organization. Mm, I'm not saying we are majority. Uh, we are not saying that uh, we've gone through a vote um, by the um, public, like going to uh, a election. Uh, we're only saying whatever we, ha we have although you feel it's a small number, but ideas make the world go round. Although in terms of number, we are only one and a half thousand. But if in terms of ideas and the ability to mobilize resources, we may be able to help more than one and a half thousand. We cannot and we do not hold ourselves to be able to resolve all the problems that we already pointed out, but we have to start somewhere and we will chip at it. And we believe we can do most of the things we wanted to do at the end. Are you a membership organization? Can other people join in? Um, as far as I know, uh, there are still invitations being open. Uh, first batch, the co-founders list you've seen as far as I know, there is still some um, discussion going on. But it's an invitation-only club, it's basically. It's invitation-only, and uh, you have to subscribe to our founding declaration, uh, which is only fair, right? If you set up an organization, you have a stated purpose and belief and mission, then the first thing you want to know is whether whoever's coming to help share the same belief. It happens in any organization or political party. And talking about resolving differences, we will do our best, but even the most democratic country in the world will have different fractions of political belief. It is the wish that at least we all keep to the rule of law and the basic law and the fact that economy is important because it forms the basis of many other things, many other good things that can happen in our lives. Yeah, it's just it seems more like a political organization rather than... It's not than... a political organization. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, you know, say when you go and look at, at the documents and so on, they don't really look like a social NGO, you know, that we're so used to seeing NGOs dealing with youth, the elderly, uh, No, we, I understand what you mean because we stated one country and two system, right? Mm. And, and there seems to be a lot of, politi frankly, political discussion on, on your, your documentation on, on the web. 
Well, I think, well, I'm looking at our founding declarations and definitely of the four uh, purposes that I've stated, only the first one, uphold one country, two system, has a tinge of political um, ideas in it. The rest is all people's livelihood and economy and common good. Are you talking about really kind of going back to how Hong Kong was in some way, um, or do you no, think... No, no, no. Um, yeah. It's very, very simple. We just want to alleviate the hardship that we're going to face, and the community is going to suffer, regardless of what color or creed. If we don't pull ourselves together and find some solutions... Yeah, exactly, but are those solutions... I mean, are they, were you talking about something new? Are you talking about a new economy? Uh, because, for example, tourism and, and no, so on... No, we haven't gone... We haven't yeah. gone we hadn't gone as far as that. And, and similarly, we, you know, uh, yeah. we, we, we settled a list of co-founders only at the end of last week. Mm. We'll be sitting down and work out um, our internal structure, committee structure, and then terms of reference, and who wish to be involved. And then we get down to finding some answers. And how about funding? Do the co-founders have to make a financial contribution? Uh, nothing is involuntary. Uh, sorry? I, nothing I, is involuntary. It's It all has to be voluntary. If they wish to donate, fine. If they don't wish to donate, fine. Okay, so it would be possible to be one of these co-founders. Oh, you don't, not... you don't come in because you donate money, no. Mm. So how is the organization able to fund itself in that case? Well, I feel that um, looking down the list, there will be uh, there will be solutions. <laughs> you, 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 you mean that there are a few tycoons there? And <laughs> no, there are a few tycoons, but it doesn't mean that they bear everything, right? Mm -mm. Uh, what, what, what do you envisage the organisation doing? I mean, we're talking about the social needs of Hong Kong, which certainly are great currently. Well, what do you, do you envisage in making grants to poor people, uh, to going in for job creation well, schemes, I social think, enterprises? Uh, uh, I don't think we will, we will duplicate government efforts. Mm. I don't think we'll duplicate government efforts. Uh, what we'll be trying to do, for example, is as CY suggests, that we'll find summer jobs and training courses, uh, apprenticeships for the uh, fresh grads. And um, I think one of the strengths we may have uh, is how we liaise with the Great Bay, Greater Bay Area and look for job opportunities there. And can you put your hands on your heart and swear that with these young people being offered uh, summer jobs, there's going to be no political questioning? I mean, we've heard an awful lot about employers saying they're only going to employ politically clean people. I don't know which employer you heard. I haven't heard from any of our members. And, uh, no, not specifically, but I think with different uh, articles in the media, there have been reports well, that employers answer, are worried cannot, about political affiliation <laughs> of, of young people these days. Well, uh, Rachel, I cannot answer for what other people write, but I can say I have not heard anything <laughs> about um, colour or creed in terms of what we can offer. 
All right, some comments uh, on Facebook. Barbara says, for Hong Kong people who are struggling to live every day, including myself, the political topic is just like a dessert after dinner. I watched Mr. Tung yesterday from TV News. I was startled. he become elder a lot. He's still working hard to help the whole society. I respect him from the bottom of my heart. We all hope Hong Kong can move forward, but it's a long way to go. And Nick says, a question, how effective is an old-school traditional style of communism, i.e. non-stop brainwashing, in a place like Hong Kong, especially given what's happened? in the past 12 months. And a specific question from this is from Patrick in an email. Patrick says, please ask Miss Tam what the coalition's view on the one country, two systems after 2047 is. Should Hong Kong continue to have a high degree of autonomy with a free market and freedom of speech? Doesn't she think that if Beijing made an announcement on this and it was put into law in the next few months that this would at least end the uncertainty that in my view is the root cause of much of the current unrest? People building a life, a career, a family need certainty about their future. That comes from Patrick. Ms. Tam? Can I uh, answer Patrick's question? It's a very yep. uh, important question, but I do not answer in the capacity of spokesman for the coalition. Okay? okay. Coalition don't talk about politics. Uh, my guess is one, country's two, one country, two systems will continue. My guess is uh, capitalistic lifestyle and system continues. My guess is China will be opening up more and more. And you will find that as far as the Greater Bay Area is concerned, the lifestyle and the systems may be very close. Of course, we have two different legal systems. My guess is that we'll retain so I think I answered that question. Uh, okay, yeah. You, well, you you answered it from your own perspective, but I mean, uh, Patrick's point. Oh, what, was, well, what Patrick's Patrick's. Well, yeah. Well, Patrick's question was, what 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 if Beijing made an announcement to that effect? That would calm people down. That would soothe. That would reassure Hong Kong and end the uncertainty that he says is at the root of the of a lot of the problems. Mm, well, I think Beijing can consider that. Uh, you know, a given time. Uh, right now, maybe or not preoccupied with this particular issue, given that we still have 20-odd years to go. Probably not in the next few months. But probably these things are the sort of things that play on the mind of the young generations. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, the, as Barbara said, we're very much elder statesmen, um, the leading figures in the Hong Kong coalition, uh, whereas it's our youth uh, are so no, worried. Well, let's separate this discussion from the coalition. Is that okay? Yes. So carry on with your question. Uh, well, the question is, isn't, isn't the 2047 not something, a distant date for our young people? It's something that concerns them enormously because yes. if you're 22 now, yes. you're going to be, you know, in your 40s, your yes. prime years, yes. your family-rearing years. That's why, that's why this would be a good time for learn to learn the basic law, understand what is one country and two systems, understand what has gone or what has uh, happened in China in the last 40 years, how they lifted 60 million people out of the poverty line, how they become the largest, well, second largest economy in the world. Understand the Chinese system, understand the constitution of China. 
if you understand the relationship between the central and local government, then you know how how to move, how to make use of the resources that have been given uh, through China's backing and the advantage we have in our own capitalistic system. And even if one day they rule Hong Kong, they will have to understand all that. Yeah, so no I mean, going that's, out that's talking about capitalism, but you've also mentioned the rule of law. And let's face it, a lot of the trouble last year, what lay at the root of it was people's fear of what they see as an unfair justice system in, in the mainland. Well, we have to leave the mainland to solve their problem because it says two systems. If we try to tell but, but a lot of people in Hong Kong would be very happy. But I would suggest that a lot of people would be very happy to leave Hong Kong. Yeah, but but uh, uh, the, the mm. judiciary and the uh, rule of law in China is improving every day. I doubt very much whether many of the young people's gone in the streets and protests and destroyed the MTR and set fire outside of the Court of Final Appeal has gone into China and looked at how they use high-tech to resolve court cases. <laughs> uh, people like the two Michaels, the two Canadians, who've been held for 500 days without uh, trial. Rachel, I don't know the detail of the case. Yeah, but so, so discussing that case with me, I cannot, I cannot shed any light. Mm, but I mean, I'm quite prepared to answer questions beyond the coalition, but you have to ask me things that I have first-hand knowledge. Okay, well, we're, we're out of time uh, now. But Marita, and thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning, spokesperson for the uh, Hong Kong Coalition and, and for herself uh, as well. Uh, Joseph Cheng joining us uh, after the news at, at nine, uh, former professor of politics at City University. If you want to comment as ever, drop us a line, bankchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. Maria Tan, thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us uh, this morning. Um, a quick uh, email. This is from Veronica, who says, quote, as long as I live, I will arrest all uh, lawbreakers for the sake of justice, unquote. Quote by the Commissioner of Police, Chris Tang. Chris, this is very dramatic. Could you please start on the illegal parking, especially in Central? That comes from uh, <laughs> Veronica. Why is that such a big deal? Why? Oh, is it, it, really, it really is annoying. Okay, wait, so you're another annoying. one. All right, yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> the weather forecast. Mainly fine and hot. Temperatures up to 32 degrees in the urban area. 29 degrees now. Relative humidity is at 81%. Back in three minutes' time. Risk of contracting the coronavirus in prison. The measure has proven so unpopular, however, that most politicians have turned against it. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chats on a Wednesday morning. Yes, it's Wednesday, isn't it? Get that right. Uh, with uh, Rachel Cartland and me, Hugh Chiverton, we're talking about uh, the uh, Hong Kong Coalition. It's a newly formed uh, group, uh, an alliance of representatives from various sectors aimed at fostering unity uh, in Hong Kong, upholding one country, uh, two systems, and turning Hong Kong round after what they call the, the triple blow of the, the protests, the economic problems, um, and the uh, disease. 
Uh, we had Maria Tam, a spokesperson for the Hong Kong Coalition, joining us in the first part of the programme. Uh, we're joined now by uh, Joseph Chang, who's a former professor of politics at uh, the City University of Hong Kong. We want to hear from you. Uh, of course, 233-88266, the number to call, or, or you can comment on our Facebook page, or you can uh, send us an email, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, maybe just before we get return to that topic, um, let's hear about um, something uh, different. This is from somebody who signs himself the parent of a government school student, and they are against financial relief for private and international schools. Uh, the parent says, I have been reading reports of how international schools will receive funds through the government's wage subsidy scheme, whereby the government pays 50% of staff salaries for six months to a maximum level of 9000 a month. Some 160 private schools will also receive a one-off grant of $80,000, costing the public $12.8 million. Why are private and international schools receiving these funds? Unlike shops or restaurants, they don't suffer from a fall in foot traffic. Parents have already paid for them in advance. Many private and international schools have a charitable status. They're exempt from profit tax, unlike other businesses. So why are they now receiving funds intended to support businesses? Why aren't other charities, those that actually serve the poor and needy, receiving a comparable level of government relief? Private and international schools already receive a massive de facto government subsidy in the form of government rent and rates dis- uh, reimbursement. For example, according to the ESF's audited accounts, it just paid $2.4 million in government rent and rates last year across 22 schools, receiving a government reimbursement of over $18 million. This is in addition to the ESF's long-running government subvention. If private and international schools paid the true market rent and rates on their properties, and if they paid profit tax like other businesses, their school fees would have to be considerably higher. This means that the public is, in effect, subsidising luxurious private education for the well-off, so that their children can, according to their websites, jet off on cultural trips to Europe, play on enormous sports fields and rehearse school plays in state-of-the-art drama studios, unlike many students at government schools. Why? That comes from the parent of a government school student. Thank you very much indeed for that uh, comment. Uh, Back on uh, today's issue and uh, the coalition, Alan says in an email, Backchat, it's impossible to say much about this Hong Kong coalition. They've only made vague and wishy-washy statements about their purpose. Quote, support the basic law on one country, two systems, Greater Bay Area, etc., etc. Let them put their money where their mouth was on one country, two systems by pushing back against Beijing, riding roughshod over it. Looking at the membership, it's clear it's a CC front trying to ameliorate the massive losses of the government parties in recent election. It's an admission that the previous strategy of beat them into submission and arrest anyone who dissents under any pretext has failed. But no organisation fronted by Si Wei Lung and Tung Chi Wah will be trusted by anyone who is not already in the blue camp. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. And uh, Peter M says it's laughable to hear the coalition talk about being non-political and uniting the community when the leading lights include a number of high-profile figures who have been instrumental in dividing the community. Among these are two previous chief executives, one of whom, C.Y. Lung, has continued to attack businesses and organisations which he sees as not doing enough to oppose the protests. Rachel Cartland's line of questioning of Maria Tam is on the ball and Ms Tam's answers give no comfort. Given the timing of this launch, it seems likely that this new coalition is aiming through its work to help the cause of the pro-establishment camp in the upcoming LegCo elections. That comes uh, from Peter M. Uh, Joseph Chang, good morning to you. Thanks for thanks for, for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this uh, new, co- new coalition? Um, uh, who, who's it for? Is it 
do you think it's to rally round the, 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 the blue troops? Do you think it will change minds? Yes, I think the comments are basically correct. I don't di disagree with them. Uh, but this appears to be a united front organization claiming to represent the people's voice, so to speak, a very uh, typical tactic on the part of the Communist Party of China. Now, this almost official United Front organization is now led by two former chief executives who enjoys the status of uh, leaders of the party and state in the, in the uh, Chinese authorities' hierarchy, being vice chairman of the uh, National Committee of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. So this coalition can claim to represent the voice of the people. You can easily imagine that if the Chinese authorities would like to push for the uh, uh, Article 23 legislation, this voice will speak out, this, this coalition will, will speak out, this coalition certainly can claim to represent the Hong Kong community, and it has substantial uh, power capacity for raising money. In, the, say, 2013, 2014, during the debates on uh, political reforms and, and in the confrontations against the occupation campaign, the United Front also got organized. Uh, figures like Zhao Yong and so on did try to organize a signature campaign, etc. Now this, this kind of uh, ad hoc organizations uh, have become permanent, you may say, and it has a formal organization, it has a strong leadership, it has tr very substantial power of raising money, and now Hong Kong's people have to live with this kind of uh, semi-official, permanent United Front organization all the time. But surely it's going to have some chance of real success. I mean, if they really do offer uh, good uh, job opportunities, internship opportunities to a large number of young people, isn't that really going to erode the support for what we might call the yellow camp? It hopes to, uh, uh, but unfortunately the society is so polarized that uh, an organization like this will probably have very, very little appeal to people outside the blue camp, so to speak. Um, you just look at the, uh, uh, the government's own campaign of combating the uh, pandemic, of releasing money to help people uh, to go through the difficult times and so on. Uh, it does not appear that these efforts managed to uh, improve the popularity of the Carrie Lam administration. The financial secretary, of course, did improve his popularity rating a bit immediately after his release of his uh, uh, budget speech, but uh, the, the people's reactions soon returned to uh, normal. Um, unfortunately, the government has not made any serious attempts to re-establish a dialogue with 
the people of Hong Kong, of engaging the people of Hong Kong in some kind of dialogue, discussion processes, leading to compromises, reconciliation. Uh, and under such circumstances, the emergence of a semi-official United Front organization will not help very much to, uh, to improve the solidarity of the Hong Kong community uh, and to establish a, a, a dialogue. Uh, a figure like CY Leung uh, certainly uh, has made a lot of impression, a serious impression on the people of Hong Kong. I mean, he, he very much follows the struggle nine, so to speak, and he is certainly uh, a very sharp critic of the pro-democracy movement, and he, represent, and he represents certainly the, hawk, the hawkish line of the United Front. So uh, it, is, it, it doesn't improve the situation if you have a very hawkish figure leading the United Front. I'm just thinking about the practical help that they seem to be offering, because it seems to me that in the past the DAB has really rather concentrated on an older grassroots demographic. And now if you're getting people who are saying, oh, you know, young people uh, come to us and get opportunities, that surely will influence some of the uh, youngsters and also their parents to drift in their direction. Won't that be the case? I guess so. Uh, a united front of this type certainly has the capacity of offering services, and these services uh, have been welcomed. There is no denial, for example, that the Hong Kong Federation of Trade Unions have been in establishing a whole series of centers offering all types of uh, services ranging from uh, uh, leisure classes of various types to uh, uh, shopping privileges and so on, and these services are certainly welcomed. Uh, one, one cannot deny that. Uh, it does have an appeal. But uh, uh, again, if you compare uh, the amount of resources that the Hong Kong Federation of Trade Unions can command with those at the disposal of the government, then it is very limited. Uh, obviously, this United Front organization can raise a lot of money, but again, in comparison with the resources of the government, it still pales into, <laughs> it still cannot compare. It still, uh, its resources uh, do appear limited. Uh, but uh, I agree with you, there's no denial that services which can help the people certainly has an appeal. And conversely, the pandemics, frankly, seem to do very little. Um, I mean, there, there certainly is a view, I think, amongst some moderate people that the pandemics just seem to be engaged in this extraordinary factional fight over the House Committee. And they're really not doing anything practical for anybody, are they? The pandemics uh, have, have, have been suffering from a lot of handicaps. Uh, take, for example, uh, the pandemics now control 17 out of 18 district councils. But despite their uh, majorities in these district councils, uh, their work has not been supported by the Home Office Department. Uh, again, uh, these district councils actually have been in confrontation with government departments, uh, especially with the police and so on. And uh, despite all the goodwill, the pandemic certainly cannot mobilize the resources 
at the disposal of the district councils uh, to serve the public uh, in a very confrontational uh, atmosphere. Uh, the pandemic certainly uh, have been handicapped by the fact that it cannot command a lot of resources for grassroots services. However, the district councillors can't really complain about a hostile atmosphere. They they were elected on 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 the on the principle of a hostile atmosphere, and they've done everything they can to create yeah. a hostile I, atmosphere. I mean, I think some of us would say, "Wow, you know, district council, which should be dealing with bread and butter issues, has just become a political fight." Thanks thanks to the the district councillors themselves and the sort of agendas that they set. I think all parties ha share a certain responsibility uh, in this confrontation, in this non-cooperation mode of operations of the district councils. Uh, we certainly no uh, notice that, for example, right in the beginning, some district councils were denied access to council chambers to hold their meetings. Uh, civil servants refused to offer services such as uh, uh, taking records, uh, minutes of the meetings, and, and so on. Uh, uh, I mean, I have been appealing here in this very program quite a number of times that perhaps the, uh, the chief executive should meet the district councillors and... Uh, and, and tease them, encourage them to cooperate with the government uh, in serving the public, in helping the public in the combat of the, uh, uh, of the pandemic. But nothing has been done, and now you have certainly a very confrontational uh, atmosphere in the district councils. I don't deny that. In the legislative council, in the community, and, uh, and therefore... <laughs> We, we, have, we, we do not see any efforts of making an improvement. And it is very sad that uh, I'm afraid that this confrontation will continue. Mm. All right, some uh, thoughts from uh, listeners uh, on uh, Maria Tam and, and, and the coalition. Uh, Mike says, Maria asked us to learn and study the basic law. Why? The NPC can overrule it at any time. Uh, Bernadette says, please ask Maria Tam how much this new organisation is going to pay each participant to sign up. Uh, question from uh, Bernadette. Uh, Drake says, the only concrete thing that Maria Tam said this morning was, quote, the rule of law on the mainland is improving. Yeah, look at what Beijing rights lawyer Wang Jiangshuang. Then she went, I know, don't know the details of the specific case. Sounds very much like a dumb person we could look up to. That's from uh, Drake. Uh, who also says, thank you, Maria Tam, for the 30-minute empty talk this morning. As she said, they've only come up with a list of members last week. By the time they've come up with a solution to the turmoils brought by the communist intrusion that the founders created, most of them would have already been dead. That's from uh, Drake. And uh, Matthew has uh, a little bit late, I'm afraid. We, we got it. A uh, question from Maria Tam. Uh, Matthew asks, Miss Tam, which pro-democracy people have you invited to your group? I heard you had asked earlier this morning and you answered that there were many names on the list and you haven't had time to check. Have you had time yet? If you haven't invited a single pro-democracy person to join you, how can you possibly expect people to believe you are sincere in saying you are non-political and what, and what to unite Hong Kong? That's from uh, Matthew, back to .hk. 
is the email address. Um, uh, Joseph Cheng, so, I mean, they're going to give away 10 million masks um, uh, this weekend. That's quite a lot. As you say, they have, a, they have enormous resources. Uh, their fingertips, this comes at the same time, of course, as the, um, the, uh, the administration, the government seems to be sort of uh, seizing the initiative, giving out free masks, giving out these reusable masks uh, and so on and relaxing restrictions and, uh, and things like this. Um, um, could it be that by the time of the elections, people will just lost the taste for and lost the enthusiasm for disruption, for violence? They will kind of agree, at least in principle with the coalition, that we need a little bit of peace, we need a little time to restore Hong Kong, uh, and the appetite for the fight will have, will have gone away and people will be feeling a little bit more sympathetic towards the, towards the administration and uh, grateful for the gifts and things that they can offer. Well, certainly the vast majority of, of Hong Kong people uh, do not support violence. They normally shun violence, but uh, as opinion surveys indicate, at the moment, at least uh, since June last year up to this moment, uh, people in Hong Kong believe that the major responsibility for the confrontation, for the violence, uh, lies with the government, lies with the police, and less with the uh, radical protesters. Um, normally, you cannot expect that violent confrontations will continue uh, indefinitely. Uh, there is certainly a, a time limit, but uh, this time limit can be extended. Uh, and I think... Uh, uh, those people who have been following the uh, statements, the communications in the Internet, in fact, a survey has been done by a group of academics at Chinese University. They have uh, uh, scientifically surveyed the uh, communications over the Internet, and they certainly indicate that the young radical protesters will continue the campaign once the pandemic declines because the anger, the frustration uh, remain uh, among the young people, among the, the radical wing yeah, of the yeah, yeah, again, maybe that's the radical wing, but maybe there isn't that, that taste in the wider population. They won't have the general support that, you know, arguably they did have last year. It's possible. It's possible. There is always... And, and then when it comes to the elections, they won't do as well as they thought they might do. Uh, two points. Um, there is always a danger. For example, last July, uh, when the uh, Legislative Council building was occupied, there was a concern among ordinary people, among uh, supporters for the democracy movement, that ordinary people's support for the protest might sharply uh, decline because of this uh, violent act. But in fact, this did not happen. Uh, and, and people still believe that the major responsibility lies with the government because the government has not made any attempts uh, to engage the people to bring about a reconciliation process. So people certainly are sober and they are making their own assessments. They, they, they have a, an independent assessment of which party are to be blamed more, what should be done, which parties should do this and that in order to bring about a desirable uh, peace, which is welcomed by, by all the people. 
Uh, regarding the elections, I certainly hope that there will be restraint on the part of the protesters, uh, as, as reflected in the prelude to the district council elections last November. Uh, there seemed to be a period of relative calm before the elections to allow the candidates to campaign, and as a result, there was quite a, an impressive victory on the part of the pro-democracy camp. At the moment, uh, candidates of the pro-democracy movement from various uh, groups are talking, and there is hopefully uh, a certain cooperation among them so that there will be more effective strategies in campaigning uh, for the success of the for the for the, for their success in the coming September Legislative Council elections. Yeah, they've certainly shown a propensity in the past to split into ever smaller groups and so on. As you know very well. <laughs> but, uh, I keep wondering too whether Dennis Kwok hasn't miscalculated in his insistence on um, holding up the work of the House Committee that um, that may look good within a small group but perhaps does not appeal to the wider public? Well, at least he has the support of all the pro-democracy legislators, and uh, at least there is an agreement among all these legislators that the struggle should continue, because at the moment uh, um, there is no no way that all these pro-democracy legislators can can make an impact on the processes in the Legislative Council, despite the very, very important fact that they commanded a majority support among the voters in the direct e elections to the Legislative Council. All the time, they enjoy a majority support among voters in Hong Kong, and yet they are in a minority, and yet they have been given a lesser and lesser role in the Legislative Council processes. But the trouble is, you know, in a way, that sort of thing sounds about as conciliatory as Maria Tam. You know, we don't seem to be making any real progress at all, do we? No. <laughs> well, at the, the pro-democracy movement is still demanding the so-called five major demands mm. and so on, and yet we do not even have a, a, a humble start like the setting up of an independent commission of inquiry. We do not even uh, have, uh, uh, have a report coming out uh, from the... Uh, uh, IPCC. From the, organ the, the uh, what they call the... IPCC, yeah, from the, from the body handling complaints against the police. The report has, hasn't come out yet uh, after all this time, and, and there's still no, no dialogue. Uh, so somebody has to make some initial steps, and normally we expect the government to do so because the government is in power, because the government uh, is in a position to make the initiative. 
All right, so some uh, more thoughts from uh, listeners. Contrasting comments on our Facebook page. TC says, this is simply, is referring to the coalition, this is simply a move for the two former CEs to keep themselves relevant and maintain influence. These two former CEs should be relegated to dustbins of history. CH Tung's fingerprint on Hong Kong's political landscape is still visible well after his time in office. Remember, it was him who recommended CY Lung and Carrie Lam to Grandpa. I don't understand why leaders in Beijing still listen to him. Most importantly, I dislike most Chinese people's use of the term unity. This term is often used to oppress opposing views. That comes uh, from TC. And uh, Tom says, the pandemic's localist identity is based on being angry and in opposition. The protest violence oddly flared up to higher levels after their demand was me and the extradition bill was withdrawn. I think the demand was met and the extradition was withdrawn. So it appears compromise is a threat to their identity, which is why the one demand became five demands. That day the bill was withdrawn to keep the wind in their opposition sails. Unless a charismatic leader emerges from the pro-establishment camp, we may be stuck with the current stonewalling until the political winds change again. That comes uh, from... Uh, Tom and uh, Drake says the government played a role in the district council confrontation too by prohibiting their distribution of masks and cutting their public funding. Takes two to tango hosts. Uh, that observation is uh, from uh, Drake. Thanks very much indeed. Um, uh, Joseph Cheng, just, I mean, if you look at like the video that they've produced and the um the event and the list of people it's it's a little bit it's a little bit tired we've kind of been there before over the last sort of 10 years or something uh, perhaps with 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 a coalition um what what's the driving force of that do you think is it is it the liaison office is it the is it those people um you know what's what's motivating that that do you think that coalition these days I do believe that the initiative comes directly from Beijing. It involves two former chief executives, so endorsement must have been sought and must have come from the uh, or from the top leaders uh, responsible for policy towards Hong Kong. And as I was saying, um, Chinese leaders probably now believe that you need a formal organization representing quote and unquote the voice of the people articulating Beijing's position on behalf of the people and uh, they certainly want uh, a, mach- a machinery which can be mobilized uh, and, and the D- yeah and the DAB is, has failed then as well it's also kind of a reflection on the on the existing parties yes uh, well the DAB it's a political party. It has its own platform. It is in a little bit of competition with other pro-establishment political parties too. So in the typical um, mindset of Chinese leaders, they want a certain uh, organization, a united front that covers all types of bodies uh, which can mobilize the entire uh, united front. And the the membership of this grand coalition certainly represents or reflects the hawkish line of the Chinese authorities. There are no uh, moderate groups involved, being involved in the United Front. You don't even have uh, representatives from SoCo, for example. Uh, and there are no attempts to... You've got Rimsky Yun, you've got, you've got Li Ka-shing, a few oh, people... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think people were a little bit surprised, maybe about Lee Ka Shing. Thought that he might step stay out of things like this. Gabriel Leung too. Oh, 
Well, uh, um, I, I understand, but uh, there are not, I, I won't say no one at all, but there are not too many people who can say, uh, who can claim to be in the middle ground, who can, who can be seen to be advocating for reconciliation, who, who would like to, be, uh, to, to serve as a bridge between the two camps, who appeal for reconciliation. These are the people who are ready to say, we support Beijing's position, and therefore it has almost no appeal to people outside the United Front. Okay, some comment uh, just to uh, wrap up uh, from listeners. Uh, Richard S. says, CY fronting this new body is a red rag to the proverbial yellow ball. With nothing learnt from Occupy, the blues are so much in denial they waste their own time. And uh, Bowen says, Dear Backchat, I can't help but seek to elaborate a bit on what Mike has very wisely pointed out. Mike was certainly right in asking, what's the point of studying the basic law when the authorities can override it at any time? Their technique is to twist the reality by maintaining that they're not overriding, but only interpreting the basic law. And if you accept this, you will be indirectly accepting that their way of doing things is, at least in this instance, in accordance with the rule of law. If you accept that, you'll be reduced to being a rather stupid person. is the substance of totalitarian rule. I remember Mike O'Neill recently quoting the late Father Laszlo Ladani as saying that while dictators try to control the bodies of the people, the Chinese Communist Party seeks to control people's minds, i.e. so that their intelligence keep being suppressed. That is from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, Colin, in an email on the CU mask, the disposable, uh, sorry, the reusable mask, uh, says this morning signed up for the CU mask, pretty straightforward, well-organised process with minimal waiting time despite 22,000 in the online queue. Shame the government could not include the $10,000 check and the education checks promised to the Hong Kong residents. A good first task for Maria Tam's new organisation. Uh, we'd better... We need better support to the 10,000-plus refugees in our Hong Kong community that receive minimal support. Another task for Maria's Maria Tam's new group. That's from uh, Colin. Thank you very much indeed for that. Joseph Chang, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, at uh, short notice. We weren't able to bring uh, a Herlock Zhang. Uh, unfortunately, Rachel, thank you very much indeed once again. Uh, leaving you now with the latest weather, mainly fine and hot. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees uh, today and a little bit warmer in the new territories. The outlook very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days and there will be a few showers around early next week. 29 degrees now, relative humidity is at 81%. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion and I'm usually quite laid back, but you can count me in to fight COVID-19. Here are my tips. Don't go to work and seek medical advice promptly if you're unwell. Avoid eating out or going out if it's not necessary. Keep at least one meter apart from others and avoid contact with people who show symptoms. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. These are the tips for us to prevent COVID-19. 9.34, the news now with Samantha Butler. Hundreds of thousands of people have rushed to apply online for free government-issued masks since registration opened at 7 o'clock this morning. By 9am, the website gave the number of people joining the queue as over 325,000. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, announced yesterday that the reusable masks, known as CU masks, would be distributed to all Hong Kong residents.
President Trump has confirmed the White House is discussing winding down its coronavirus task force in spite of the continuing high number of cases. This comes as the U.S. coronavirus death toll climbed by more than 2,300 in the past 24 hours, more than twice as many as the day before. And the UK has now suffered more coronavirus deaths than any other European country. The Daily Toll took it beyond 